you to stand to hear the reading of God's Word. In this year of 2017, the year that we here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, we have called the year of God's supernatural favor. And this series that we have began at the beginning of this summer is called a summer of supernatural peace. Here is the next message in this series. The text is found in one of my favorite references in the entire Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is such a powerful text. And I've preached from that text so many times and I have always enjoyed studying and just hearing God's word as it is written in this text. We're looking this morning at verse 17 of 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, reading from the New King James Version, one verse, verse 17. And it reads, you will not need to fight in this battle. <laughs> That's a sermon all by itself. Somebody just caught it. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And the church said amen. 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 Catch the hand of someone that is next to you right now. And here is this message in this series that's entitled Supernatural Peace. This year that has been deemed a year of God's supernatural favor. Here is this message. Hold those hands and encourage someone and say to them, stand still and see. Ooh. Stand still and See, Ooh, I, I'm happy just reading that, man. We, we are about to get up all in the devil's business in this message. Look beside you and say, stand still and see. Amen. On last week, in that message on last week, we spoke from the subject, be still and know. In that message, God said to us to share with you, and many of you have shared it by way of social media, by way of just passing it on by word of mouth. And, and let me say, I encourage you to do that. That is one wonderful blessing of the times in which we're living in right now. You can, right from your seat right now, just, just send a word to somebody and say, stand still 
and see. Somebody may be on the verge of giving up, and you may encourage them. For last week, we, we said that oftentimes in this busy, hurry-up society that we live in, we need to learn how to slow down and spend quiet time getting to know how awesome our God really is. The message was, be still. Today's message is somewhat similar, but yet very different. The message today is, stand still. Last week, we were talking about a mindset, talking about an attitude, we were talking about your disposition, talking about not worrying, not being anxious. Today, we are talking about you coming to the realization that you don't have to physically do anything. God is speaking to somebody now. Somebody shout, stand still. Mm. And see what great things the Lord can do on our behalf. Now listen to this and help me bless these words into somebody's spirit. Say to them, especially when your backs are against the wall. Now I know that may not apply to everybody because some of you have never gone through anything. But to most of us who've had crises and backs against the wall and you've gone through some, how, how many of you have had some struggles in your life? And your backs were against the wall, be it financially, your health, or, or what was going on in your family, just what is going on in your life. Oftentimes, here's what God said to me in preparation for this message. God said, oftentimes, Dara, the hardest thing to do when you are facing a serious crisis and your back is against the wall, is to do nothing. That oftentimes is so hard to do, is to just to do nothing. Why is that so hard? Because we as human beings are not naturally inclined to do nothing. We, we are created, we are made, we are naturally predisposed to do something. We are reactive beings. Amen. Somebody comes against us, we go against them. Somebody says something about us, we respond by saying something about them. We often say this. Have you heard this? I didn't start it, but I finished it. Well, why you got to finish it? Because it's hard not to do something. People say to me all the time, Pastor Jackson, I don't pick on nobody. I mind my business, but I don't take no mess. <laughs> we are proud of that. I don't take no mess. I don't start no fight, but I know how to finish one. Like I'm supposed to give you a medal. Because you know how to continue drama. Can I preach this? 
And so it's hard not to do anything. It's hard when the hellhounds are on your track. It is hard when the haters are just throwing all kinds of stuff out there. And when people are coming after you left and right and, and people are insulting your integrity and questioning just who you are, it is hard to just stand still, stay put, and do nothing. This is difficult because we like confrontation. We, 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 we like to mix it up. We, we, we like sometimes to, to get in there, and we call it defending ourselves. And We have all kinds of names of people who are too laid back, too passive, and none of those names are usually good names that we call people, and we, and we insult them because they have the strength, listen to this, touch somebody and say, don't miss this, because they have the strength not to respond. We, we think they're weak. We think they're passive, lackadaisical. We got all timid. We've got all kinds of words that we say to people because they will not respond. But don't you know it takes more Holy Ghosts not to fight back then it, it, it takes no Holy Ghost to fight. Peter cut off ears before he had the Holy Ghost. Before he was filled with the Spirit. There's a message I'm going to preach next week, about next month, about Peter, in which the Lord said to him, put away your sword. He that lives by the sword die by the sword. But it takes the Spirit that when you're insulted and when people come against you, to lay back and say, God has this. God can handle this. Because when we, listen, when, when we fight back, when we respond, when we react to people's negative actions, it gives the enemy a foothold in our lives. It gives the devil an opportunity in our lives. And if you don't want to ever give the devil an opportunity, you just let God handle things that are in your life. How many of you know that God can work it out? For sometimes on this journey called life, the ability to just stand still and do nothing can be your greatest asset. You often hear me say, I so admire people who can control their actions. I admire people who can take lickings and keep on ticking. I admire people that don't blow up just because some hothead is in your face. Preach Pastor Jackson. I, I admire people that even allow other people to push them around. And they stand their ground and say, I'm not going to fight you because God has this. Woo! <laughs> Anybody know that God has this? M most of us, when we try to do it ourselves, when we get in the midst of doing things ourselves, it never works out the way we want it to. Amen, somebody? 
And usually we are in as much trouble as the person who started the trouble. But when you have the confidence in the God you serve, to know that if I can just hold on, if I can just stand still, God will do this. For when my enemy and my foe came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Uh, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, Spirit of the Lord lifts a standard against them. God is on our side. God is our very present help in the time of trouble. Why do you need to fight if God is going to fight for you? God says either you are going to do it or he will do it. Tell somebody, let God handle it. Let God handle it. Is there anybody in here right now and the enemy is trying to push you into something? Try, trying to get you to get into something and, and you won't let the enemy push you. Why? Because the God you serve told you, don't you do a thing. Do not respond. Just stand still and watch me handle it because when God gets finished, woo, God knows how to take care of business. Any living witnesses? All I need is just the hands of a few folk that God has ever fought on your behalf. And God made a way out of no way on your behalf. Just, just, just a handful of folk that know that God is able. Woo. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Let God handle it. But pastor, you don't know what I've got to go through. You don't know how much I have to take from this person. Keep on taking it. God will work it out. Listen, in our text, in this wonderful, powerful Old Testament text that is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it talks about the value of standing still, seeing what the Lord can do on our behalf. In the text, we have the nation of Judah and its leader, King Jehoshaphat, who finds themselves in a peculiar situation. Their enemies have formed a coalition against them. Three nations have come together with one army to go after the nation of Judah. Why? Not because they did anything to them. They are people that just don't like you because the favor of God is on your life. And listen, this is what is so unique about, from a historical standpoint, these are the three nations that when Joshua and the children of Israel were under the instructions of God invading the promised land, God told them, don't touch these nations. Leave them alone. So it wasn't that they wanted revenge. It wasn't that Judah did something to them. It was because they just couldn't stand to see the prosperity and the blessings of the people of Judah. Don't you know there's some people that just don't like you because you are blessed? I, I, I want to say this again. There, there are some folk that will never like you. I, you, I don't care how nice you try to be to them. Why? Because they're just haters. They're, they, they're, they're just people 
that are just jealous. And the more God blesses you, the more they seem to dislike you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. They'll just touch somebody and say, they're just haters. They're just haters. And so the nation of Judah, because they were highly favored by God, and at this time in their uh, life, they had a righteous young king by the name of King Jehoshaphat, king who had uh, become king and worshiped God and gave God all the glory. Well, the word went out to King Jehoshaphat that these three nations are forming one army and they are coming against you. They are out to destroy you. Now, we're not just talking about somebody who's, who's coming to check you out. Their goal was to annihilate the nation of Judah. Their goal was to wipe them from the face of the earth. And they had the manpower and the warfare power to do it. They had the ability and the capacity to do it. What if your enemy is stronger than you? What if your enemy comes against you and they have what it takes to take you out. What are you going to do? Well, here's what they said to King Jehoshaphat. In verse 2 of chapter 20, he was told, and, and, and the text uses these words, quote, a great multitude was about to come up against you. Quote, a great multitude. One translation says a vast army is coming to destroy you. Well, Jehoshaphat knew that he didn't really have an army that could fight this kind of battle. And so his back was against the wall. The people's backs were against the wall. What do you do when you don't have the warfare naturally to respond? You do what you do best. You seek guidance from the Lord. <laughs> How many of you know that when your backs were against the wall, you didn't want to fight back. You had to seek guidance from the Lord. The Bible says that he proclaimed a fast throughout the whole land. And they went before the Lord in prayer from the smallest child to the oldest adult. They humbled themselves and prayed before the Lord. And then in verses 5 through 12 of the text, Jehoshaphat and the people had a conversation with God. And in that conversation, they, they reminded God of a few things. First of all, they reminded God of what God had already done for them. How many of you know that God has already been good to you? Anybody know that God has made ways for you over and over, tell somebody, and over again? Listen, verse 7 of the text says this. He says, oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? In other words, God, you gave us this. You are a good God. Then they reminded God, said, God, when we had plagues and famines, you made a way 
out of nowhere. And when we did not know what to do once before, when we trust you, whoo, you stepped right in and made ways for us. How many of you can go down memory lane with God? I just want to make sure I'm in the right place. Is there anybody in here that has a testimony that you can remind God of what God has already done? The next time you get in trouble, remind God of the last time you were in trouble and God made a way out of nowhere. Did God not bless you then? Can he not do it again? Look at somebody and say, if God did it then, God can do it again. Jehoshaphat said, God, you, you never left us alone. And every time we got in trouble, we depended on you and somehow you made a way. In fact, he could have reminded God of Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. First time these words were used. When Moses came to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was behind him. The sea was ahead of him and the wilderness was on every side. Moses said, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. For these enemies you see today, you will not see again anymore. Whoa, somebody in here ought to get happy over what God has already done. Look at what he said. He says, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. Look at your neighbor and say, just remember the last time God brought you out. Remember the last doctor's report you got. Remember the last job you got laid off on. Remember the last person that broke your heart and God gave you a better relationship. Remember the last time your child got in trouble and God made a way out of nowhere. Somebody ought to take at least 10 seconds and give God your best praise. Come on, Zion. Come on, Zion. Look at somebody say, how can I forget what the Lord has done for me? You haven't always looked like this. You haven't always lived like this. You haven't always worked where you work. Drive what you drive. Live where you live. Wear what you wear. Somebody ought to shout glory. Woo! It's good. It's good to have a historical record of where God has already brought you from and what God has already done. Can anybody remember how bad it used to be? Some of you grew up on the other side of the track and your ancestors didn't have much. Grew up on fat back and chicken feet. Cornbread and collard greens every day. But somehow the Lord made a way out of nowhere. 
Look at you now, all dressed up, fancy, living in your nice community, driving your fancy car, and you're too fancy to give God a praise. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, I've got to praise God, because if you knew my story, woo, you would understand my praise. Anybody got a story behind your testimony? Woo! I feel like preaching. Can we take a praise break? Put a pin in it and put a praise on just one thing God did for you that only God could have done. Look at you, look at you. God bless you with Gucci and Louis and all kind of names on your clothes and all kind of names on your pocketbooks. And come on, y'all so blessed, look at you, look blessed. Tell somebody God looks good on you. The blessings of God look good on you. That's why you ought to come to church. You may be sitting by somebody who hadn't got up all year long. Tell your neighbor, if you got to hold the seat to get up, I know your back hurt and your knees hurt and you got arthritis, but if you just got the whole way, I got to hold the seat just to get up and say, when I think of And all he's done for me. Woo! Bradley, it may take longer to get up, but you can still get up. Can I praise him? Can you praise God for making a way? So he reminded God <laughs> of what God has already done. Ooh, I love that. I love that. Every now and then, when the enemy comes, I have to remind every devil in my life that God remembers what he's already done on my behalf. And then look at the text. King Jehoshaphat went on to do what every great leader, every great individual, anyone who trusts in God ought to do when your back is against the wall. He professed, I mean he said it, he spoke it. He professed his complete dependence on the Lord his God. Verse 12 says this. 
For Jehoshaphat said to God, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. Ah, yeah, yeah. But look at the end of this verse. But our eyes are upon you. In other words, Lord, we have no idea how to handle this situation. This is too much for us to deal with. We're not even trying to fake it. We have no power against this great multitude. But this we know, that we're looking unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Our eyes are upon you. From with cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord. How many of you, when your back was against the wall, the devil wanted you to brag on yourself and you told the devil, I can't do it because I don't have the power to make this right. But when you profess your complete dependence on God, God will make a way. The next thing that happened was that God raised up a word. <laughs> Hear me, somebody. God raised up a word. I need you to see something because the word preceded their praise. Because you've got to know what you are praising God for. Amen. God raised up a word in the form of Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, uh, the son of Benaiah, the Levite, Jehazel. God raised up a word. And in this prophetic divine word, God pointed out three things through the prophecy of Jehazel that Jehoshaphat and the nation needed to do. Number one, he says, there, there is no need to be afraid. Tell somebody, don't be afraid. Ooh, when your back is against the wall and you don't know what to do, tell the devil, I'm not afraid. He said, there is no need to be afraid. In other words, fear is something that can block your blessings. But perfect love casts out all fear. Is there anybody in here now that know that you're not afraid, although you're facing a crisis in your life, declare and decree with me, I am not afraid. Say, I am not afraid. Second thing that God said through his prophetic word, through the voice of Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the Levite, is that God said to him, tell the nation of Judah and Jehoshaphat that the battle is not yours. Whew. In other words, you have no need to fight this fight. How many of you have been fighting fights that God says you don't have to fight? We have been involved in situations that God says we don't have to be involved in. Why? Because the battle is not yours. Stop fighting. Stop trying to handle it yourself. Because God said this is not your battle. 
This is not your fight. I know you're concerned by all the people that are against you, but let God work it out. Let God handle it. How many of you know that you're done fighting? I'm done fighting. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not trying to be involved anymore in any confrontation. Let folk fight by themselves, but you're going to trust in the Lord your God. Uh, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So number one, don't be afraid. Number two, the battle is not yours. You have no need to fight this battle. And number three is perhaps the strangest of all of the instructions. When people come out against you, God says, stand still and see the salvation. Uh, what do you mean, Lord, stand still? If I stand still, they're going to destroy me. Not when God has your back. Who am I preaching to? Tell somebody, you got to stand still. What are you saying, Lord? Stand still. I have this. Don't worry. I got this. Don't fight. I'm handling this. How many of you know that when God is on your side, it's more than the whole world against you? And so what are we to do? Here's what they had to do. God says, do what you do best. Worship me and praise me. When the devil is on your track, that's when you need to be the first one in church. When you're going through something, that's when you need to be the first one at the altar. You say, I don't care what folks say. I don't care what they think. I'm going to praise God like I've never praised God before. Because when worshipers get in trouble, worshipers worship. They praise God. For the Bible says that God said to them, and they knelt down, bent their face to the ground. And even the leaders, we're so often to talk about how the praisers went out first in verse 21 and 22 uh, to praise God. But look at verse 19. It says, to all of my ecclesiastical brothers and sisters, to all of my brothers and sisters with colors and black ties and white shirts and, and all of my missionaries and others, God says, when the Levites, let me look at this side of the church. When the Levites praise me, when, when, when those who are ordained praise me, when, when those who proclaim his word praise me, then God say, I'll move on your behalf. Oh, if God has blessed you, you ought to be the first one to praise God. You ought to be the first one on your feet. You ought to open your mouth louder than anybody else. And if folk don't want to sit by you because you are a praiser, tell them to go sit somewhere else. Because when I think of the goodness, where are my praisers? The front row. The second row. Somebody that God has blessed 
with some ecclesiastical authority ought to say, don't you hear me tell you to praise God? Watch me show you how I can praise God because God has been good to me. Somebody take about 10 seconds and throw your head back and tell God.
the hours. Leave your seat. Stand in the hours. Tell the devil what you meant for evil. God's gonna turn it around and use my praise to defeat my enemy. Say Say Now go ahead and praise him. Clap those hands. Clap those hands. Clap those hands. When praises go up. Come on, Zion. Praise God for your family. Praise God for your children. Praise God for your grandchildren. your praise when the enemy sees your praise the enemy will be defeated the enemy will be
cancer survivors. I see heart attack survivors. I see folk who survive depressions and recessions, foreclosures, job laid off. But God made a way. When the enemy sees your praise, the enemy is defeated. When they see your praise, Somebody, your praise will defeat your enemy. When the enemy saw them praising God, the Bible says the Lord ambushed the enemies and they turned on each other. And the children of Judah got all the enemy stuff simply because their praise had defeated their enemy. I know it gets tough. And when I see cancer survivors at this altar, praising God, I saw grandmothers with grandchildren at this altar. Ah, praising God. It's all right. Paul, your, your mom is proud of you, man. Your mom is proud of you, young man. Amen. Because when the devil thinks they've stolen your praise, when the devil tells you you have no reason to praise God, you tell the devil, I will. The question is, what are you going to do? Listen to the words of Pastor Donnie McClurkin. What do you do when you've done all you can? I wish I had a witness. Is there anybody in here who know you've done all you can? And it seems like it's never enough. What do you say when your friends turn away and you are all alone? Tell me what do you give when you've given your all? 
and it seems like you can't make it through, somebody leave your seat and just meet us at this altar. Well, you just stand when there's nothing left to do. Tell somebody, you just stand. Watch the Lord <laughs> see you through. Yes, after you've done all you can, just stand. Ooh, come on right now. Right, come on, right in. When you've done all you can, and yeah, yeah, yeah. seems like it's never enough. How many of you have ever been there? I've been there. Oh, what? What do you say when your friends turn away? Somebody, God is inviting you to this altar right now. Come on. Yes, after you've done all you can. Yeah, yeah, You just sing quiet, yeah. Come on. Wherever you are right now. Tell me how do how do you handle the guilt of your past? Tell me how do you deal with the shame? Oh, how can you smile when your heart has been broken and filled with pain? That's right. Filled with pain. Come on, stand right now. Tell, Tell me, me what do you do when you've done all you can? And it seems. Yes, God, God has a plan. Woo. Tell me when you've done all you can, and it seems Woo. like you can't make it. Just through. wave those hands in the air. Well, you just stand. You stand. You stand. Don't you? 
the hands of someone that's next to you. Sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to just stand still after you've done all you can, after you've prayed all you know how to pray. Stand still and see what God can do. Exodus says, Moses said to the children of Israel, these Egyptians you see today, you will not see again. <laughs> some of you are going through some difficult times right now. Everybody, eyes are closed because somebody else wants to come to this altar. I'm calling you. God is calling you right now. Out of your comfort zone. You've tried to fight. You've tried to plot. You, you've tried to respond and react and it hasn't gotten you anywhere but deeper sorrow more misery but I'm hearing God speak to you right now God says all week long the words that shall be ringing in your ears are the words stand still and see what the Lord can do. Ooh. You can't handle it. You can't handle cancer by yourself. You, you can't handle diabetes. You, you can live a healthy lifestyle and do all of that. But there's sometimes that things just happen even to the best of people. But you've got to learn how to just trust in God. Lean not to your own understanding. Let God handle it. Tell somebody, let God handle it. It begins with your relationship with God. I want everyone in here to do me a favor, wherever you may be. Examine this question. Where do you stand with God right now? This is not a church question. This is not a theological question. This is personal. Ooh. Where do you stand with God right now? Because God wants to get a word to you. But if the noise and distractions are blocking the pathway in which God uses to speak to you, you can't hear his voice because of all of the distractions. Stand still. Stop fighting. You don't have to defend yourself anymore. God said, your next job, I'm already working on it. In fact, it's already done. <laughs> Stand still. Doesn't mean you're lazy. Doesn't mean you're slopeful. Doesn't mean that you, that, that you have no ambition 
it certainly means that you trust God. Amen. It doesn't mean that you're weak. You're just trusting God. And if you're not where you ought to be with God, then after this prayer, you just meet me at this altar. Because what I've determined is that the altar is not a place where you worry about who's watching you and what folk think of you. Ooh. I've gone to too many funerals of people who died unexpectedly. You, you don't know this may be your last chance in a church service that God gives you an opportunity to get it right. Ooh. Not perfect because none of us ever get it perfect. But we can get it right with God. Amen. So after we pray, you just meet me at this altar. So here I am, Pastor Jackson. Ooh. I want such a relationship with God that I'll be able to stand still in the midst of whatever is going on in my life. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for this text in 2 Chronicles. We thank you for the Levites who led the praise. We thank you for the praisers and the singers who followed the lead of the Levites and began to praise you. We thank you for the word that you sent through your servant Jehazel to King Jehoshaphat. You have no need to fight this fight. The battle is not yours, but it belongs to the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's what we're doing. We're standing still, watching you work it out. We declare and decree that it is already done. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Find somebody and tell them it is already done. Come on, if you want to make that commitment, you want to give your life to the Lord, you want to recommit your life, you want to join the church, come on, stand. Come on, that's right. Somebody else come on. Ooh. After you've gone, others are coming. Oh, oh, oh. Come on, come on, stand. Let me tell you, this young man. How many times he was shot? He was shot once, laid in the hospital. The doctors gave up on him. In the hospital for months, college student attacked at the apartments right down the street. When I first saw him, he couldn't talk, didn't even know I was in the room, tubes running all through his body. But I got a text from his mama saying he's gonna be in church Sunday. And now he's at this altar. Hey Amen, we've got to praise God, come on. After you've done every young man in here, come on and just touch him on the shoulders. That's right, come on, some young people in here. Just every young person, young lady, young man, after you're done. Somebody else. After you've gone through the hurt. After you've gone through the pain. 
went in the hospital, tubes running up and down his body. My son and I went to visit him. We walked out and my son turned to me and said, Daddy, do you think he's going to make it? I turned to my son and says, Son, God said he's already made it. That was two months ago. No tubes standing at the altar. This is his mother. She's got a right to praise God. If that was your son and your daughter, you would be praising God too. Give God a hand of praise as we take him in there. After we've done, God bless you as we do. After. Come on, after. Stand. Come on, stand. Come on and stand. Somebody ought to give God some praise. Hold on. Hold on. It's all right, Garrett. Be strong. Look at that young man. Look at God. It won't be long. After you've done all you can. The young man's walking down the aisle. God, God, God told me. Brother Jason. Jason, go back there with him. God, God told me you're going to be his partner. Amen. Woo. Everybody who's been delivered needs somebody to stand by your side. Amen. After you've done all. Come on and make it the after you've done all you can. Now, this is what I need. I need about five mothers in this church who's ever been through anything with your child and God brought you out. Come on and, 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 and encourage this lady, Sister Westbury, right? Come on, just stand right around her right now. Come on, let her know that God is able. After you've done all you can. Come on, y'all pray for her. After you've done all you can. Tell me what God can do. This mother never gave up. She never gave up on her son. Yeah. Look at God. After you prayed all you can. You keep praying. You keep fasting. 
And Lord, we bless this mother as these other mothers surround her. These are not just mothers, these are testimonies of mothers who've been through something, but God made a way. Thank God for the faith of a mother whose son was in critical condition for over a month.